Hello, hello. Hey there, CX leaders from all around the globe. Thank you for your enthusiasm on the former episodes and especially on the latest one in the comments on that of the Steven van Belgem episodes. They were raving. So um, I have a bar to keep up high uh, and I, well, I think I can promise that we are meeting that one again because in this episode of CX Leadership Talks, I had the pleasure of chatting with Bill Stikos, CX practitioner, visionary and leader from Medallia. He introduces himself later and we delve deep into the truth when it comes to customer experience management, discussing the limitations of relying solely on surveys, the power of feedback in driving true change, and the crucial alignment of CX with a broader business strategy. Think value, value. Bill brought valuable insights on technology, aligning employee behavior with organizational values, and how regional differences impact CX management. But my most important insight, and not just from this conversation, but also having the insights from uh, LinkedIn and having some interactions with Bill, they all are around how important it is to focus on impacting business value and how you can do that. So, well, I hope you get that too. Um, it's so valuable. Um, so listen to the end, my friends, my CX friends. And together in this conversation, we uncovered practical advice podcasting insights. He has run a very well listened to podcast customer led and some recommended essential reads for CX leaders. So tune in for a captivating conversation as we navigate the dynamic world of customer experience and your leadership role in that. In the age of the customer, many companies and organizations fall short in meeting the needs and wants of their customers, let alone exceeding them. And it's time to change that. Welcome to CX Leadership Talks. Our passion is to be a catalyst for you and your organization as a customer experience leader to help understand, design, and improve experiences across the entire customer journey and the customer lifetime. It's time to spice up your CX leadership, and we've got the pro who's going to talk you through it. This is CX Leadership Talks, and now your host, Ninka Bloom. So, as I just introduced, we have Bill Stikos, and I'll, a big warm welcome to you. Thank you. It's so great to be here and to see you again. I know it's been a year since we last saw each other, so thanks yeah. for having me on the show. October 2022, it was Washington, D.C., the yep. CX Summit, I think it was. It was a combination of the CXPA meetup, um, and you just shared it was in your backyard. It was, yeah. I'm uh, I'm located right outside of Washington D.C. Great, yeah. For me, it's also where um, on I was there not just to speak. I was also there on my honeymoon. Um, uh, but we also went, yeah. We also went to uh, uh, an American football game. We went to the Green Bay Packers against the Washington Commanders. I think it used to be the Chiefs. Yep. And then it became, yep, that's correct. for us, it was a real treat because we have no clue about American football uh, in the Netherlands because we are into soccer, as you call it. But that's we right. fell with our nose in the butter, as we call it, because it was the Green Bay Packers. So there was such a buzz going on. There's are a lot of heritage. Sports? Are you a sports I fan? Am, I, I am, but I grew up, I'm born and raised in New York, so I'm a New York sports uh, fan. So, uh, yeah. but uh now the Green Bay Packers have a lot of history and uh, heritage, strong one. So, yeah. So, but maybe, well, chances are you have 
how many followers? I think 15,000 followers on LinkedIn, 18,000. Something like, yeah. Eight, yeah, yeah, I have you, in, like, that's of, the good thing when you tape it like this. 18,195 followers. That is today, we want to be really specific, right? In um, On the 18th of December while we tape this. But if you have to introduce yourself to your to the room, how do you introduce yourself? Um, good question. I think, you know, for me, I... I always introduce myself um, as an like as an employee of Medallia, which is the leading the leading enterprise experience software platform globally. Um, I always kind of describe myself as a practitioner at heart, and someone who has the good fortune of being able to advise uh, major brands uh, globally on how to accelerate their customer employee experience maturity, uh, really and go as quickly as they want to be going as an organization. So um, practitioner first, um, probably leader second, um, and someone who at the end of the day, I mean, the reason why, you know, I think I've got 18,000 plus followers on LinkedIn is I do post every weekday. So Monday to Friday. And my goal is really to elevate every CX and EX professional out there. Uh, and there's something like 15 million of us across the globe. So yeah. um, that's my goal. I want people to be successful and to think differently about their work and in a way that helps them grow. Yeah, I like that. It, it really combines where I, one of the, one of the things I always say, spice up your leadership because for me for CX leaders is really what I'm aiming at to, well, whether it's custom experience management as a profession or using your leadership or tactics to really engage others in I think it is important that that they elevate that. And, and I like your postings a lot. I've read many of them. I'm not always the one that comments because I'm also more like a reader. Uh, but some of them really resonated with me. Also, the ones that I saw last week. Um, well, and, and also a lot of them right now into the AI element, which I think is very relevant. Um, I just spoke at a large conference in Kuala Lumpur and AI was just the main topic everywhere. So... You experience the same when you, where you, where Everyone's you are talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants to talk about it. Everyone is thinking about how to implement it. Um, no one is fully there yet. Uh, but the use cases are being built a lot from the perspective on reducing costs to serve, which I find yeah. fascinating because actually I, I think that the real use cases, you know, leveraging AI to drive revenue and growth. Um, yeah. but it feels like the co- lowering your your costs and expenses through through artificial intelligence is or are the use cases du jour. Um, so I'm hoping that at some point we we flip the script and start talking about growth because yeah. I think that's really where the power of that of the capability is not only for yeah. for companies but also for the end consumer. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I, there's so much to explore. There's so much to be to be. Well, I think innovated in that place. And looking at you and um, and your career, when when I mm. you've been into um, customer and employee experience for a long time, but how has your approach evolved over the, the last twenty years in your career? I think the the way that it's um, it's funny. I just posted about this. I think like a week or two ago. I think the biggest switch for me was when I realized that it's not about, and this may sound very unorthodox, um, but I realized it's not about increasing your CSAT or MPS scores. 
the work is really about leveraging the toolkit to help your company achieve its goals, objectives, and drive strategy. And when I started kind of changing, and this is going back, gosh, 15 years probably, but when I started realizing that I could, my team and I, we can design experiences that, you know, if, if one of the objectives was to grow revenue by 10%, we can design great experiences that are customer led that help drive revenue 10%. You can do both, right? They're not mutually exclusive. And who cares how you get there? Just use a toolkit or multiple toolkits if you have to. Um, but um, I got out of the business of, you know, focusing on and even having in my own goals and objectives, you know, increase CSAT or NPS by 10 points. I don't even know what that means anymore, right? Because so much can no. go into those metrics and we know that. So once that, that kind of mentality changed for me, um, it's a little bit more inside out thinking on some level, but once that mentality changed for me, my career really actually took off. So. I think, I think it's, um, I recognize it because I see that too many CX leaders or CX professionals are just focusing on customer value, which I find of course is, is, is good because we have to have an eye for our customers, but the sweet spot is where customer value meets business value. And that is 100%. where you want to be. Yeah. Uh, because otherwise you, and, and of course, sometimes not everything has business value, but when you, well, under the line, um, uh, it has to be business value be, or, or, and I think when you also probably work not only with for-profit organizations, but I also work with a lot of leaders within, for example, government. Mm. Um, and then I think business value, and then that it's could be when you look at the tax offices is trust uh, where people want to do their, uh, tax, uh, 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 forms themselves and they have those numbers. So I think it is, it is of greatest importance. I also, but I don't know if you recognize that, that not every CX leader can really tell what the business value is that they deliver. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I mean, that's why I think this year, I mean, more than any other year that I've been doing this work, I think, you know, seen not only CX leaders, but in their entire team, sometimes 30, 40, 50 people just completely be let go. And yeah. that's a real issue, I think, for organizations, number one, but also just for the discipline, right? Like there, it's, it really has turned into like the survey team. And yeah. I think, uh, I think that's a really important thing to consider if you're you're in a CX team or you're leading a CX team or you're being asked potentially to lead a CX team, don't make it the survey team. There are so many different things that go into doing this work. And I think taking a much more sort of holistic uh, approach, uh, an integrated approach, um, yeah. means that you'll have longevity the, and, and impact, frankly, at the company. Yeah, I, I truly agree. I fully, fully agree. It's um, just the indirect things we're doing is sending out surveys and working on methodologies to scale customer experience it's it's it is good and and it can be a fundament but this is not where you deliver business value that is in the change it's in friction right. hunting it's yeah. in yeah okay well looking a little bit more in the career because i've built up some questions right so um, um cool. i think we are you don't want to be the survey team but in, in your role at medaya have you seen effective feedback mechanism transform customer and employee experience in organization how how did 
effective oh, feedback sure. mechanism do that? I think, you know, look, this really, I, th there's, there's a couple of philosophies here, right? One is there are teams that leverage technology. They do their surveys, they, they look at indirect feedback as well. They aggregate all this, analyze it and send out the reports to the business, their business partners. Yeah. Okay. That's one approach. The other approach, and I think this is just ingrained in Medallia's philosophy is to get information into the hands of decision makers, those that are closest to the customer or speaking to customers every day, frontline employees, frontline staff. So when that happens, um, real change can be made. Look, I, I'm working with a company right now. I can't obviously evolve the brand, but they are a global organization. They re kind of kicked off sort of their, a straight survey program they're getting. And, and what they're doing is if someone comes in, it's just straight up closed loop feedback, right? It's going into the hands of salespeople. If there's a low score, the salesperson has to call. They've generated almost 2000% ROI in eight months. I mean, Whoa. think about that just by calling those individuals that gave a low score on a survey. Now that's not scalable, right? At some point you can't call everybody and we'll leverage the technology to be able to automate the closed loop feedback process where it should be. Um, but I see similar scenarios all the time. Like I'm not a huge fan of surveys. I know that they are foundational to the work. You have to do them uh, for a whole host of reasons, not just because you should, but for also for analytics and, you know, um, making models better. Um, but I, I think too many organizations survey, report, and don't do anything with it. And yeah. the ones that are leading in this space are the ones that are taking that feedback and giving it to the hands of people at the, on the ground level and saying, go engage, go, yeah. this is a service recovery effort or opportunity. Go talk, go yeah. call your customer, talk to them, turn them around. And there's a lot of empirical evidence out there even that says when you've had a bad experience, but the company turns it around, you're actually, your MPS, your propensity to recommend is even higher than it was before the issue. So every day doing something with that information, that data, that's really where I've seen transformational change. And not just from the perspective of the, of the business outcomes, but even culturally, when people start yeah. embracing feedback from their customers and look for it in different ways and in different spots, not just surveys, that's really where the transformation happens. And going beyond surveys and looking at even digital behavior, right? That your body language when you're confused in app, but you're not telling anybody through a survey that you're confused and you fall out. That, that friction, as you called it before, being able to identify that, fix it, give it to the people who are, you know, the developers that are making that change amazing results through that. I, I fully agree. I just had a conversation with Steven van Belgem. He's going to also be in the podcast and he, he's talking about becoming a friction cool. hunter. Um, and I, I really like that. And, and the thing is, um, I'm uh, when you're looking at filling out surveys or reviews or whatever, I fill out everything I get. I'm just curious also, how what does it look like? What do, How do they get back to me? Sure. And I already do that for almost nine years since I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I love, about two a week. So it's not that I get that many. Um, so two a week, let's say 50 weeks. So I do 100 a year. That's 900 feedbacks I've sent in the last nine years. How many organizations 
and I filled it in, filled out that it was really good. It was really bad. Um, I'm, I'm truly honest. And in every feedback, I always put in my name and my number. So it's not, no excuses. Uh, how many do you think got back to me? I'm going to say zero. Oh, no, no. It's not that depressing. <laughs> it is. Well, seven. all right. I'll say 5%. 5%. Seven 5%. No, yeah. it's seven in total. It's not even 1%. It's not even oh 1%. It's 0.8%. And that means um, that most systems are broken. A lot of organizations are asking for feedback, but they're not working on it. And I love the example that you gave about calling back because a lot of all organizations talk we're in the business of loyalty and building relationships with customers. Building a relationship with a customer doesn't work if you use a no reply email address when you send out a survey uh, and not even get back to it. Because so for me, it's been, it, it is about getting active. Uh, and I also think as CX leaders, we need to be lead by example. Uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm honest, when we have our masterclass, we also do, we want to get feedback and we also do a survey. Yes, we, and every time, and, and after like a week, we get, I get the report and I, and always, I am also a little bit fearful what's going to be in there because it's my baby and I want it to be good. But when, when we have low scores, I call up the people to see what can we do? What is it that we can improve? What is it? Uh, why didn't you, for some of, some of have spoken out during the course, but why didn't yeah, then I could have changed something. So it's really for me to learn, but it, it is fearful. How do you help people get over that fear? Um, I, I've always helped people get over that fear by focusing on their strategy and helping them achieve their goals. Right. So um, I, I agree with you. Nobody wants their dirty laundry aired. Right. Um, no. You know, who, right. Like that's for anybody. I think that's just human nature. Um, but I've always approached it from the perspective of understanding what an individual functions goals and objectives are and then pointing the toolkit towards helping them achieve those goals and objectives. And I think when, when that happens, you get more alignment, right? Because if you do get negative feedback or, you know, low average to below average yeah. feedback, even um, you can tell them like, you're not going to achieve your goals and objectives and here's why, but let's work together to turn that around, use this information to actually design something that's, um, that your customers want and need, and that helps you achieve those goals and objectives, right? Everyone wants to achieve their goals and objectives. There's compensation involved, there's prestige, there's, you know, accolades, whatever you want, you know, however yeah. you're incented. However, uh, if you can bring it back to that, right, and helping move forward and looking forward, um, I've always found people are a little bit more open. Even if they are fearful, they're still a little bit more open uh, to have that conversation and to do yeah. more. Yeah, but for me, it is shocking to see all these organizations sending out surveys and then what is done with it. I, that's really one of my, well, it's my mission to make the world more beautiful for customers and employees. But this is one of the things that is definitely broken and needs to be fixed. Um, but looking I, at, and also I think, you, yeah. I was going to say, and I think that's why you're seeing so many CX leaders and functions being wholesale cut, right? And 
it's a big problem for us that, that we need to solve. And unfortunately, like we've got the toolkit to be able to solve it, right? Much like we ask customers yeah. for feedback, go ask your business partners for feedback to understand like what you need to improve and do better. Um, but for some reason, we're not eating, you know, we're not eating our own cooking, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. I also think uh, CX leaders need to show, lead the way and do some of the calling themselves um, to show that this is something that you do as a collective. So yeah, it's, it's about leading change and doing it yourself too. So yeah, it is, is this yeah. is an interesting perspective. Going a little bit further in your career, especially here and now, we already touched a little bit of it. How do you see artificial intelligence and machine learning shaping the future of CX and EX? Do you have maybe a specific example where, well, it because we, we touched it a little bit, but making it more specific yeah. because it's the hot topic of the moment. Yeah, so uh, actually this is the topic of my book. Um, but I, I will say there's, I think the last two years, um, we've seen things like journey orchestration capabilities really come to the fore. Um, I think the whole gen AI and open AI kind of phenomenon has really advanced it at the enterprise level of this conversation. But what we're going to see as consumers is, and we see it now, um, maybe not as visible, but we'll see it more and more um, across a number of brands we buy from is real time orchestration in the moment. So for instance, uh, I may go to a bank's website. Um, I want to buy a new home and I need a mortgage. Um, based on my digital behavior, um, I don't like the rate, or at least the software understands my intent was to go look at a mortgage application and maybe apply for a mortgage. But based on the rate that was there, the way I'm scrolling over it, going back and forth, et cetera, it's saying, hey, Bill probably doesn't like the rate. Next time I go back to that website, it's going to be a different rate, right? The technology will service a new interest rate for my mortgage based on similar behaviors from other cohorts of potential customers and what got them to click on that rate and fill out a mortgage application. Um, same thing in the auto space, right? You want to buy a car, you're looking at specific cars. The, the personalization that everyone's been talking about for years is going to finally be able to happen at scale, right? So I'm looking for specific cars. I don't need to search for them. It knows that I'm looking for a specific type of car and it starts giving me right and surfacing those examples versus me having to scroll through a list of a thousand cars online, right. Or, or an app. So um, that level of personalization and nudging customers down a path to help them get their job to be done completed, right. Whether that's buying a product um, or otherwise or a service, but then also that's very, very balanced with that business outcome. And that intersection really comes to life in journey orchestration capabilities. The yeah. impact of this, I think for CX teams, and by the way, you could do the same thing for employees or the workforce, of course, but the impact of this for teams is, first and foremost, you need to understand what experience or journey you want to be able to deliver. I think that journey maps will probably become less important because you'll have the data that shows you, right? Bill went to the app, then he went to the website, then he called the contact center. But then while on the contact center, he was in the app, right? And then was talking, then did sort of live chat with the contact center agent on, on his laptop. 
journeys are like all over the place, right? They're not, they're never linear. So I think journey maps probably become less important. So some of the tools that we have used traditionally um, probably fall to the wayside. I think so more emphasis on technology, more emphasis on data, and then more emphasis on design and curating the types of experiences that you want this technology to deliver for you and your customer. Yeah. Yeah, I see. I love the I love the example. I see so many examples where AI is going to make it easier for customers to use less of our time, our valuable time that we are now often stuck with organizations because their processes are broken. Um, Let's hope this this can help a little, little bit. Um, Now, I'm, I had a, a Dutch podcast for three years. Uh, it's called the CX Travel Guide based on the Dutch book I wrote about customer experience. Uh, mm. But since I'm working much more global and next year, um, well, going to host an international uh, CX leadership retreat, I decided to do everything in English. Um, so that mean, meant I had to stop with my podcast. But, um, well, one of the podcasts I listened was yours. So... Um, but now you are also stopped. We talked about that you, uh, it was your spirit period, periodically. What a word. Um, but you have so many insights from the podcast, uh, be customer led. Um, you, mm-hmm. you have a global listenership. Have you any, yep. de- how about regional differences in how customer, uh, experience are managed and valued when you look at all these different areas in the world? Yeah. Um, Good question. Look, we've got listeners in 112 countries. And and I did I did pause the podcast uh, as we talked about um, so I can focus on writing the book. Um, I think that some of the differences regionally and even within region, there's a B2B and a B2C difference, right? I think B2B yeah. globally is just probably five to 10 years behind B2C for one. Number two is um, depending on the on the country, um, in Europe, um, you also have differences of five to 10 years. Obviously some of the more Western European countries are further ahead. APAC, um, is, is really far ahead in many ways from a broader technology usage perspective. Some of the interesting things though, what I always find fascinating, and I get a lot of questions from Latin America and even Africa, um, Nigeria has a really fascinating and growing quickly CX community, uh, which is just amazing to see. Actually, someone from Nigeria pinged me this morning on LinkedIn and said, hey, would you be open to coming and talking to us about CX metrics early in the new year? Um, so I think that every, every, every region is on a different path and trajectory, certainly in the U.S., probably further ahead than most. Um, but it's really exciting to see that even, even for countries or regions that are not maybe as advanced, um, they have the luxury of seeing what's, what's not working or what has not worked, and they're really changing in quickly. So in Nigeria, as an example, I get a lot of questions on the business value piece. Hey, I we see that, you know, just looking at CSET or MPS isn't the right approach and way to think about it. You know, here's how we're doing it. So being able to learn from mistakes more quickly um, has a lot of advantages. And I think we will start to see 
um, particularly with the advent of technology and kind of laying over tech onto the work, I think you're going to see um, those, those regions or those countries who are a little bit further back um, start to ramp up pretty quickly, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. When I look, well, of course, the closest I am is the Netherlands. When I look at the level of CX, it's very high. We we have the highest density of CCXPs with comparison to the count of uh, inhabitants. And when you look at the active, how active the community is, it's 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 insane. And I'm, it's also incredible to be part of that. But it's also very rewarding mm-hmm. to help other countries where maybe the level is a little different. Um, but hey, yeah. I think it's nice. But looking at your podcast, so how many episodes have you have you aired? Oh gosh, I don't know, um, one hundred and fifty or so. Yeah, something like that. Um, I've lost. When track. you look at all of those, yeah, there's so many. Um, what are the? Well, let's just and, and please use this from top of your head and ideas. What yeah. are the top three insights um, in CX that that every CX leader should be aware of? So it's funny you asked it because I just used um, ChatGPT to tell me what are the top top three insights. <laughs> this is like a couple of weeks ago. I was curious. I said, here's, you know, I just kind of put in the link and said, you know, what are the top three topics across all these um, episodes? Yeah. Um, and ChatGPT is reading the transcripts and the, sh- you know, the show notes, et cetera, right? Yeah. To kind of determine what that is. Um, I, I, I think I'd have to say number one is the importance actually of the employee experience um, as a driver of the customer experience, right? Uh, a colleague of yeah. mine, and I, I'll, use, I'll use the quote is, your, your employee's behavior is your customer's experience. And um, yeah. I, that, that has never been more true. So I think that's number one. So how do you think about the experience and the tools and the training um, and the ongoing development of your workforce to make sure that the experience they deliver every day is in line with the brand and what your customers expect. That's number one. Number two is the importance of technology in the work to help give your work scale. And that has never been more true. I think that some of the future skill sets of, of CX teams I think you're going to need data architects. I think that you're going to need technologists. You'll need futurists. Uh, you know, the, the skill set of the CX team is, is changing really quickly. Um, and number three is the, is the business value piece. Um, yeah. Those individuals who, are, who have had the most success in their career have moved past, I'm just going to track MPS and CSAT and send out the reports. They are, it's, it's a very strategic role that they've defined and created and curated within their organization. They've got leadership buy-in and support. Um, and the skills they talk about most is not so much about methodologies and how to get insights from customers. It's about skills like influence, partnership, um, being action-oriented, right? Or outcome-oriented. That's another, I'd say that's probably the third biggest marker. Uh, of the episodes and and some of the learning from there. But when you, I, I like them. Thank you so much. When you look back, you've taped all these episodes. What is one that yeah. that you remember? Because it's, what is one that you really remember well? Because it was just like such a remarkable insight or crazy thing or 
I'm not going to tell you which is my favorite baby. That's not what no, my no, favorite, favorite child. I can't do that. Remarkable <laughs> or weird, or there was a quote in it that you really liked, or there must be some, there must be one that stands out in any way or was the worst or the. Oh my gosh. I haven't really thought about that. No, I'll be honest with you. I haven't really thought about that because it's been a while since I recorded or even went back to okay. some of them. Um, just haven't taken a break. Well, you caught me off guard on that one. I'll have to think about it. Oh, as we're, I, as we're talking. I, I didn't mean to. This is uh, for all the listeners out there. Of course, we always prepare and I send the questions, but I also also yeah. uh, always say chances are that there will be some questions that we I've not really laid upon. Of course. And now yeah. people know that this is an honest conversation uh, and that you're human. I, I like that, Bill. Yeah. Like, I, I think yeah. some of the ones that stick out for me um, well, the first one sticks out for me, obviously, because, um, it's your first, right. Uh, but yeah. it, it also sounded like I was recording in my bathroom. I have, I had no idea. Like I was like this far from the microphone, right? Like, you know, I didn't really know how to, how to talk into the mic like the right way. So, um, but you know, there are a couple like Arthi Murley, who is the chief experience officer at M&T bank. Uh, Stephen Von Bellingham was another great one, uh, recording. Yeah. Um, Gosh, I've had some like really exceptional people. Uh, Fred Reichel has been on the show, which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, that is pretty cool. Like I've me having really Bill Yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's kind of you to say. Um, I, you know, I, I, there are so many, honestly, there are so yeah. many. And I think that's know, one of the, always... the beautiful thing about the beautiful thing about the podcast is you get access to so many incredible people all around the world. Yeah. Um, it's a blood. I, I always tell people it is the single best professional growth hack that exists in the world, right. As a, as a professional. Yeah. And, you know, I almost didn't even have the podcast. It was going to be a blog originally. So, um, okay. someone convinced me go, yeah, go buy a microphone and a head and, you know, and the earphones yeah. and turn it into a podcast. So I'm like, there are a million podcasts out there. Yeah. Now there are three. I must more, say, you know, but hey. I wish I did it earlier because I, well, of course I had the Dutch one already for a longer time. Um, but um, I think it's, it's a very smart strategy. Also, I think uh, I also know a couple of businesses where the CX team have a podcast, especially to share knowledge and uh, make it more actionable and more fun, which I find very smart. Uh, for example, yeah. Volkswagen Australia, they have it for all their dealers. So that every month a new podcast comes out on topics uh, I was one of their guests one time and it was very interesting because cool. they, they made it interesting. They did quizzes and yeah, I thought it was a very smart strategy to, to, to use people that to, to reach people that are all, all in the country. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's just a, it's, so, it's a good medium and format, right? You can, you can cut it up, make shorter pieces. You can, yeah. people consume information differently now. Much of it obviously is video driven. So um, it's a great, it's a great format. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like it too. Uh, let, let me look at leadership. And we you already talked about the desired customer experience in the journeys. And when you look at strategic alignment with values, you mentioned that aligning strategies and action with values, mission, and vision. Can you share an example where this alignment dramatically improved an organization CX? Sure. So at my former one of my former I won't mention the brand, but at a former employer, um I was asked to come in and stand up the CX practice and uh, they were doing, it was a couple of people doing more, mostly qualitative research and very project driven. Um, yeah. So 
whenever I, I start work, it's important for me to kind of, you know, people are like, Oh, what's your, what's you got to create a CX strategy. I'm like, no, I, I already have a strategy. It's the company strategy. I don't need to create another strategy. Yeah. My strategy is how am I going to use the resources that we've got to help the company achieve their overall overarching strategy. Yeah. And so I think if you start with the company's you know, mission, vision, values, and strategy, and then think about, okay, if this is sort of the mission and the, and, the, and the vision of the company and the values of the company, how do those resonate? How do those come out in the feedback that we're getting, whether it's solicited feedback or unsolicited feedback? Being able to do a gap analysis against that to start foundational work. Um, from there, if we all agree that these are the mission and values and, you know, and the vision that, that we're going to maintain, great. Here's then what needs to happen and change from an experiential perspective for us to be able to go achieve XYZ strategy. That takes a lot of work. I mean, that, that work took, gosh, nine, 12 months to kind of get done. Um, and then we were trying to stand up this team in the process too, which was just a, just a ton of work, but a lot of fun. And um, in a matter of two years, I was only at this company for two years. Um, we did see customer satisfaction rates increase substantially, um, close to 10 points. Um, but more importantly, we saw a, a, a really big difference in the company and how they thought about feedback and just a cultural change, even to the, even like connecting, um, technology platforms to share information more readily and easily. Um, really opened up people's eyes uh, to the power of of of, of CX. And a, and a funny story is, I think it was my first or second month there. I was meeting with the head of innovation. They're like, "Oh, you're going to fix our surveys." And I was like, "Gosh, if I'm here to fix surveys, then I'm in the wrong role because that's <laughs> not what I'm here to do. You know, I'm here to help you drive innovation faster and better. Right? That's that's one of my roles. Yeah, I'm here to make the operations more efficient." I'm here to make the culture and HR um, be better at what they do and, and create a better culture. And over time, I think that they realized what CX work was and what it truly meant. And the reason why you want to connect it to the company's mission and vision and the values of the company is when you are helping an employee deliver the experience that your clients expect, if you can tie it back to this is what the company expects of you. Here's how we want you to show up every day. And here's why it's important for that to resonate in the experience itself. Now you've got an employee who understands the power of what they do and how they can change the experience through their role or through their specific role. But they also understand the power of what, having no daylight between the experience expected and the experience delivered. Right. And what that does for a business. Um, yeah. When you see that light kind of turn on in someone, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's, it's, it's one of the biggest motivators yeah. I have and why I'm still focused on this work. Yeah. I love it. The way that you all, your face lights up. Uh, well, the people that are listening might not see that, but you you can feel it. So you can even feel it from Washington to to Utrecht, where I'm based here in the Netherlands. When looking, we're going a little bit to the end of the interview, but I'm, when you look at those leaders maybe that are just starting in CX, 
What is a practical tip that you can give them that they can implement? I think the most practical thing is, you know, don't, um, I think it's really thinking, thinking about get, get an inventory of all the places you get an understanding of your customer about. So yes, probably doing surveys again, foundational, um, but yeah. it's a, but it's a small portion. Um, going and talking to your digital team, going and talking to your contact center team, go and talk to your sales organization, really understand where you have customer insights and then go talk to your IT organization and say, how do I bring all this together in a meaningful way for us to create a full 360 view of the customer? That's going to take time if it's not already in place, but really achievable. Um, that's number one. Number two is uh, the first two coffees you should try and go buy if, if, you know, um, if you've got access to them and hopefully they're open to a meeting with you is your CFO and your chief HR officer. First two coffees yeah. of any in the role. From a CFO perspective, it's really understanding from like, what are the financial targets of the company? Yeah. Right. Because your goal is to align the resources you have towards achieving those financial targets. So if you know that information, you're, you're ahead of 60% of the people out there doing this work. From an HR perspective, you want the, co the company to be customer led, right? Thinking about the, the customer, the problems that they face every day, and then working backwards from that to drive and affect change. So what type of policies, processes, procedures are in place today to help employees do that? What kind of training do we offer? Is it, is it aligned from a customer perspective? Are they open to aligning it from a customer perspective? So my cat is uh, walking in really for the people that are on the video might say, why does this door open? Well, I have uh, two cats that are finding it. So sorry for that. But yeah, that's okay. <laughs> They're like, Hey, who's this guy, Bill Stakos that you're talking to? Yeah. that's um, nice. Hey, I, I think those two, those two, right. Figure out who your key partners yeah. are. The second one, but number one is really open up your aperture to the signals that you're getting from your customers and where they exist yeah. across your organization and uh, build a really smart inventory around that. I love that. What, what I often say to CX professionals is build your architecture of listening um, uh, because I think that, that is most important. Yeah. And you make it very practical. Thank you. When, when looking, uh, going a little bit more into you to finish it off, I asked two questions to everybody. What is a habit that you developed and practiced that really delivered CX results or results in your leadership roles? Um, I think, so I, I, I'm a big believer in systems and frameworks. So I, I think that it's, Find the, find the system and the framework that works for you and your team. <clears throat> and a system helps you just be really efficient um, yeah. and helps your team focus on the right things uh, as do frameworks. So explore what those are out there and, and find the ones that are right for your team. Um, that, you know, certainly that's, I think that is important. Um, even for myself, if I think about sort of, um, you know, posting every, you know, every day on LinkedIn, the last, the last day of every month is focused on writing 20 posts. I mean, yeah. I don't sit at my screen every day at 930 yeah. in, in the morning and say, okay, I'm going to write a new post. So um, they're all scheduled. 
And I mean, I'm collecting ideas throughout the month, of course, but you know, that's just a system I have. It's created efficiency for me. You know, look for those opportunities in your own work. Yeah. I like that. And well, and for the people that are listening and that are also an entrepreneur or also within organizations, they also struggle with putting content out there. And well, being a transformative leader means you need to be out there. It's called content batching. I do it too. Um, you just sit right. And um, yeah, once you get into the flow, it really works well because it's just, that's, that's the way we roll. That's the people that you see how systemized they are. Okay. And then yeah. the last one to top it off, um, which book, podcast, video, whatever, do you recommend the listener to spend time on to spice up their leadership? What is a, a tip from you to all of their listeners? So, so outside of this podcast, right. Um, everyone should be listening to this one. Um, I, we've already plugged my own several times, so I'm not going to plug it again. Um, there were two books that I've read that I constantly find myself going back to. Um, uh, the first one is called The Grid by Matt Watkinson, yeah. who has been another guest of mine who's been, that was a fantastic conversation. Um, and the second one is The Wallet Allocation Rule. Um, one of the authors, Luke Williams, also a guest on my podcast. Um, he's now at Microsoft. Uh, Matt uh, um, uh, Watkinson runs his own consulting company out, out, out of uh, the West Coast in the U.S., uh, but he's English, but he lives in the U.S. Um, those two books fundamentally changed the way I thought about business and the way I think about CX um, and should be on every CX leader's list. The grid and the wallet allocation rule. Thank you yep. so much, Bill, for the conversation, for your tips about making it practical, about also challenging leaders a little bit, which I like because I think we need to spice it up. We cannot just fall asleep together yep. because there's work to be done. Um, <laughs> a big thank you to you. It's, it's my pleasure. Um, I'm honored that you asked me to be on the show. Um, and yeah. this has been a fun conversation. I really do appreciate it. And, I love what you're doing and, and what you're putting out there and, um, you know, keep on doing it. It's, it's, it's having a positive impact uh, on our discipline. So keep going. Likewise. And I'm a little bit jealous of the daily posting on LinkedIn. So I'm going to see if I can touch base over there. So thank you, Bill. And let's meet again live somewhere, maybe in Washington or in the Netherlands. Have a little bit of a drink and uh, conversation. I'd love it. It's one of my favorite countries and uh, um, love, yeah, you got it. Anytime. You're welcome. You've been listening to CX Leadership Talks. Ninka is a customer experience speaker and educator. She has written books and spoken and educated leaders all around the world. She's one of the global thought leaders in the field. We hope you've enjoyed this show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, you can also find us on YouTube and LinkedIn and ninkabloom.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And we'll see you next time on CX Leadership Talks.